Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I'm your host and this show is recorded on Friday the 23rd of April. And what a week it has been. Of course, this week uh, at the time of recording it was Earth Week. Holland America also celebrated its 148th anniversary. Congratulations to all at Holland America Line. And uh, this weekend, of course, we will be marking Anzac Day here in Australia and New Zealand. And uh, For those of you elsewhere in the world that don't know, this is the day that we remember um, anybody who served in any war, conflict, or peacetime mission, particularly those who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice. In today's show, uh, we'll be shortly joined by Chris Frame. He's got a great uh, roundup of maritime history, uh, predominantly around the P&O Australia fleet. Uh, we will then move into cruise news, and then uh, and then Chris actually uh, launches into a surprise with a fast fire round or a quick fire round with myself. I only know that because I'm recording this intro after I've recorded with Chris. Um, also, a quick shout out to Big Cheese Heads over in the USA. You shouted Chris and myself a coffee. You sent over two virtual coffees for which we are very, very grateful. If you don't know what Buy Me A Coffee is, take a little look in the show notes. And there's also a little uh, advertisement or a little explanation a little later in the podcast too. But uh, thank you to all of our supporters and all of our members. Uh, what you do with the uh, Buy Me A Coffee scenario really does help us uh, keep the podcast on air. But let's get straight into it. Let's go straight over and join Chris Frame for the, the main part of the podcast. Hey, Chris, welcome back. Hey, Baz, thanks so much for having me back again. 52 episodes, goodness. Yeah, <laughs> as we say, these Thursdays and Fridays come around very, very quickly, sure but do. there's always a, a lot of things going on. In fact, we've got another uh, round of cruise news in just a second. But before then, um, you had a, a, a few questions via your YouTube channel, which kind of we thought we'd might answer on the podcast as well, because it's quite relevant. Yes. Uh, what is it all about? Yeah, so a little while ago, um, and we spoke about it on the podcast as well, I did a video about there being two P&O cruises, the British mm-hmm. P&O cruises, which I think a lot of people know um from from those european voyages and also of course 
dating back to those lion voyages to Australia, but also the Australian P&O Cruises brand, which is, of course, quite different um, from, mm-hmm. from the UK brand. And we've spoken in the past about how the two diverged and basically have the same com- common heritage. But one of the questions that, um, that I get quite a lot is about the ships of the fleet. And, of course, P&O Australia has been busy updating its fleet um, yeah. over the, the, the duration of the pandemic, which had actually been planned for quite some time. So this isn't in response to COVID. Um, they had long-term plans to, to revitalize their, their fleet. Um, and I know that um, in response to the previous podcast as well, um, talking about the two P&Os, we had a few queries in relation to um, mm-hmm. like why, why the specific ships and how it came about. So I thought I'd just run through basically um, what the fleet is all about and then where they were before they were with P&O Australia. So for the, up until this year, um, they had th- three ships, well, up until last year, rather, I should say, up until the COVID um, shutdown, they had three mm-hmm. ships in service, the Explorer, the Dawn, and uh, the Aria. Uh, all of these ships had previous lives. And um, Dawn and uh, Aria were both flagged to leave the fleet and go and cruise for um, CMV. And the idea was that they were going to replace them with newer uh, ships from within the Carnival Corporation stable. That's happened mm-hmm. during the break. So when cruising resumes, they'll have three ships. They have Explorer, of course, which was the existing ship in the fleet. She was the former Dawn Princess. Um, built in 97, and she was the second of four in the Sun class of ships, um, so named because the first one in the class was the Sun Princess. Um, mm-hmm. And they were, um, so there was Sun, uh, Dawn, uh, Sea, and Ocean Princess. So they were all very popular. Um, Ocean Princess went across and cruised with P&O UK as Oceana, um, but the others uh, spent most of their careers with, um, with uh, um, a princess. Um, mm-hmm. So... Dawn Princess um, and Sun Princess, in fact, used to spend quite a bit of time in Australian waters. Uh, and so when P&O were looking to, to revitalize um, their fleet there, they brought, um, bought Dawn uh, from the Princess Cruises brand. And she mm-hmm. introduced a number of things that were quite different from their previous ships. She has, had big open atriums, open plazas, and that kind of boxy shape that the Princess ships are known for. Um, mm-hmm. And that allowed for sort of more on-deck amenities and balconies and all that sort of thing. Uh, and so she's been very popular since she moved across into the P&O stable. The other two are the Encounter and the Adventure. Now, we'll start with Adventure first because she's the older of the two. Uh, she used to sail as Golden Princess and was one of the first Grand Class ships built. And in fact, the order for um, Adventure and Encounter was both placed at the same time when Princess wanted to expand the Grand Class ships in their fleet. Um, mm-hmm. And these ships are each over 100,000 tons, and they cost at the time um, over $400 million to build, which was a lot of money, of course, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, Golden Princess. She actually used to do some cruises out of Australia as well. Um, I, I visited and toured on board her when she was as a princess ship. So there's a, a video on my YouTube channel that shows you what she looked like before her P&O conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the one that's making the news at the moment, which is Encounter, because uh, she's the former Star Princess and um, has just had her refit up in Singapore where they've given her her, her new uh, Aussie interior um, and the very, you know, the striking um, hull art on the bow there with the sort of stars and the, and the 
Australian sort of styling on the front of the ship. Yeah. Now, if we step back just to just to put it all into context, then prior to that, there was a variety of ships that have sailed for for P and O in Australia. Um, there was Pacific Aria and Pacific Eden, which were both introduced in 2015. They had a relatively mm-hmm. short career with um, uh, with P and O in Australia, Baz. But you'll remember them as um, Staten Dam and Rhinedam, of course. Yeah, yeah, um, from my previous history. Yeah, because yeah. you have such a long um, connection with Holland America Line. So they used to be Holland America Line ships. And these ones are interesting because they were they were quite different from the other P&O ships, but when they, they moved across, they introduced to P&O some features that have become very popular on, on not only the existing fleet, but also these new ships will have them as well, such as the Pantry, mm-hmm. which is P&O's replacement of the buffet. So instead of it being like a um, just sort of trays and um, help yourself to sort of Bay-Marie style things, they've got different little sections where food is cooked or um, prepared for you. So there's like... Um, different sort of styles and options available and you can go and order and or help yourself and it's quick turnaround but it's not that traditional buffet style um yeah it's kind of a blend of um food trucks and yeah. uh, like a food court yeah, yeah, yeah. It? yeah pretty much like that yep of course and um and the blue room which is one of the lounges on board which is is also being carried carried across now they joined three ships that were sailing at at that stage the pacific jewel the pacific dawn and the pacific pearl um, all mm. three of these ships were actually designed by Sitma, which was a company that mm-hmm. operated um, prior to uh, it being acquired by P&O and merged into Princess. Um, and so um, the Pearl was already constructed or mostly constructed. She was supposed to sail for Sitma, but she became um, uh, merged into the fleet and actually is better known for her time as Arcadia for P&O UK and also she sailed as Ocean Village before coming across here. Um, But Jewel and um, Dawn were the same design. They were the Crown and Regal Princess, um, and they were built at Fincantieri, which is, of course, a a big shipbuilding company that makes many of the ships that we see today, and were designed Mm -hmm. by Renzo Piano, a famous uh, architect, and have that dolphin styling. If you look at a picture of them, you can can definitely see where they get inspiration from with the bottlenose dolphin kind of shape on their front. Um, and so they, they were the mainstays of the, of the fleet for quite a while. Um, prior to that, P&O Australia had um, three other um, quite popular ships uh, in this um, century <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so far, um, the Pacific Sky, Sun and Star, and they were all also transferred from various brands. So Sky, Pacific Sky came from Princess, where she used to sell as a Sky Princess, but prior to that she was the Fair Sky for Sitmar Cruises, so again, another mm-hmm. Sitmar ship. Um, and both Sun and Star, um, Pacific Sun and Pacific Star, were both former Carnival ships um, that were moved across from Carnival Cruise Line. Um, and in this case of um, Pacific Star, it was their first new build, uh, Tropicale, which also tra- ah. sailed for, for Carnival and then um, and, and uh, rather uh, Costa and then came across to Australia. Um, they, they were a big step up because prior to that, P&O in Australia was operating the Fair Princess, which was another former princess, former Sitmar ship, but she actually started her life as a Cunard Express liner. Um, ah. She was called Corinthia, and she was built in the 50s, and she used to do the Canadian run um, as an ocean liner, and she was completely converted and, and refurbished by Sitmar. And then prior to that, of course, there was the Fair Star, which was the former Oxfordshire, which we've spoken um, about yeah, length. very very popular ship. And Fairstar really was the first ship in the P&O Australia brand. Prior to that, the, the company was just P&O, and 
that's when they sort of started to differentiate the two. So a little brief overview there. Um, the newest ships in the fleet are a decade newer um, than the ones they replace. They've been given mm-hmm. multi-million dollar you know, refits. They're looking, um, from photographs I've seen, they're looking um, pretty, pretty stunning. Um, but yes, Australia um, is still waiting to have, a, to have a new build maybe sometime uh, in the future. Yeah, there was planned for one, wasn't there? Oh, probably about two or three years ago, there was uh, concepts drawn up and then uh, that all changed uh, a, a year or so later. So mm. um, I, I suspect there will be one, but I think this this game-changing move to have the, the three sisters, all previous princess, yes. but really having that Aussie stamp because the decor is definitely not princess. It's no. very bold. It's very bright, vibrant, almost a little virgin esque with the uh, with the, the the color schemes and the the boldness of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'll be a, a great time once these ships get back into Aussie waters and uh, get going again. I think P and I will go from strength to strength. Fantastic. Moving into uh, to cruise news, a uh, sister brand to P&O, of course, is the Holland America line. They just uh, celebrated a milestone. Yes, so they're another company that is like, has a long and illustrious history. It actually dates back to the era of the ocean liner. Um, and they celebrated 148 years since their first um, uh, cruise back in um, 1895. Well, it would have been a crossing back then, of course. Um, yeah. And they've gone from those, you know, what, what is by today's standards, small um, ocean liners that were plying that um, North Atlantic trade to having a, a pretty pretty sizable fleet. I think it's around 10 ships. Um, and their, their ships are, are huge by in comparison to what they, what they started out with all those years ago. So congratulations yeah. to Holland America. Yeah, can't wait to be celebrating the 150th, hopefully at sea. <laughs> um, also from Holland America Line, they've just um, made an announcement, which did surprise me, actually. They've they've come out with a have-it-all premium package, which will be available all the time. Yeah, like quite a few of the cruise lines now are sort of changing their product offering a little bit. And this one is is quite interesting because it will allow people to um, you know, package up their shore excursions, um, specialty dining opportunities, things like Wi-Fi, and um, and drinks as well, um, and it's available on all of their um, all of the voyages they do that are more than six days, um, mm-hmm. with the exception of what they call their grand voyages, which are their long or world yeah. cruise type voyages. Um, and I think it was uh, the Holland America was saying it's a saving in, uh, of up to fifty percent as opposed to buying the stuff whilst you're on board. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of different. I mean, the the information is quite extensive because it uh, it obviously depends on how long you're doing your voyage, whether it's six to nine days or more than nine days, or one of the really long trips. Um, as to mm-hmm. exactly what you get, but uh, things like um, shore excursions, uh, premium uh, drinks packages, uh, of course, Wi-Fi, which people love to use to keep in contact with family and friends back at home, and uh, a chance to to have a a meal in the um, the extra tariff restaurants um, and uh, something like the Pinnacle Grill, which I think is one of the best-rated steakhouses at sea. Uh, but you'd know yeah, more about certainly that. Certainly one being, of my favourites. Yeah, being more um, more connected to Hal, perhaps you could you could uh, share a few more thoughts on it because I've, I've sadly never never cruised with Holland America. I've visited on board a few times, but I'm yet to to set sail with them. Oh no, the the Pinnacle Grill is definitely by a long shot the, the the best steak at sea. I would have to say, 
Um, and the service in there is absolutely impeccable. Um, I mean, the, the service on board Holland America in general is extremely good, but the service when you get into the Pinnacle Grill is right. uh, is one 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 step above that. But that is only just one of the specialty restaurants on board. And depending on what ship you're on, there may be options to dine in others as well. But the, as Chris says, there's there's so much information around this. It'll all be in the show notes, so you can have a good read of that on the website if you want to. Now, a sister brand to Holland America seems like we're keeping it very much in the carnival family today. Seaborn has um, announced a restart uh, for July 2021. Yeah, so we already spoke about how Seaborn's going to be operating out of Greece. Um, so mm-hmm. this is sort of like the second, you know, the second part of their restart because um, they're working with the government in Barbados to offer cruises aboard Seaborn Odyssey um, from Bridgetown. And mm-hmm. this will be um, seven-day cruises, so a week-long um, voyage. And uh, we're taking a number of um, ports across the Caribbean, um, some of them including the Virgin Islands, um, Gr- Grenada, um, St. Martin, and St. Kitts. Um, and I think that is, um, you know, obviously great that they're going to have more than one destination because Seaborn is one of those brands that once people seem to travel with it, they seem yeah. to go again and again and again. Um, and yep. one of the things that I thought was interesting is that um, when they announced this, they, they 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 did say that people can enjoy their caviar in the surf experience, which yeah. is when the ship anchored off the shore, um, and you're you're there in uh, on the on the beach or, or on a um, you know you can you can sort of float there on the on the water, and the crew will come out with um, with caviar and sort of wade through the water and bring it bring it to you. And interestingly enough. Um, this is a Seaborn tradition, but um, Seaborn acquired uh, the the ships of the Sea Goddess line when they merged with Cunard after the Carnival mm-hmm. um, acquisition of those two brands. And it actually also was a was a Sea Goddess tradition. And you can see pictures um, on the old postcards of uh, the Sea Goddess One and Sea Goddess Two, which became the Seaborn Goddess One and Seaborn Goddess Two. Uh, with the waiter standing in the water and uh, and, and passengers on the sort of floating um, sort of um, daybed things in the in the water, yeah. um, being served champagne and caviar. So it's lovely to see that they've um, you know that's one of the that's one of the things about these uh, these these brand mergers is that, that you can get more luxury built into something by by bringing the best <laughs> of two different brands. But it's just interesting to see how it um, how it's been continued through to to today. Yeah, I mean the the pictures I've seen of this, the the waiters are actually in full formal wear. So yeah. to be to wading through the water yeah. in your 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 formal attire would be uh, be a great photo opportunity yes, for sure. Exactly, earned your gratuity that day. <laughs> <laughs> and staying with the luxury brand Silver Sea as uh, finally because I've, I've been expecting this for some time actually the Silver Sea have finally announced the, their restart plans with Silver Moon. Yes, so she's sending well they're sending Silver Moon across the Eastern Mediterranean um on voyages out of um, out of Greece starting in June of this year, which is really exciting. Um and they're going to have nine cruises each um 10 days, so you know get more than a week on board, which would be so lovely. Um, and sailing um, round trip from the well, Piraeus, which is the port for Athens, um, uh, which many people will know if you've been traveling in mm-hmm. uh, in Europe before many of the cruise lines pull in there. So uh, I think that sounds like it would be a, a great way to, to re-acquaint um, yourself with Silver Sea. Yeah, and again, visiting places like Santorini, Paros, Mykonos, Crete, and uh, Israel and Cyprus. And uh, moving into to Viking, I think we've spoken about uh, Viking Venus previously just a couple of weeks ago, but they've finally taken delivery. They have. So now Viking's taken delivery of Viking Venus. She's the newest ship in their, um, 
when they're when they're fleet, but also in their ocean cruising fleet, because Viking has both ocean cruisers and river cruisers. Mm-hmm. And river cruising seems like crazy popular at the moment because the videos I've seen on YouTube that are talking about river cruisers have just gone crazy like the views i know emma who you had on last week she's she's got a couple yeah. of that river cruising that she did before the cruise pause and all of a sudden they've got three four hundred thousand views which is amazing so <laughs> i think that's because river cruising is that sort of restarted so strongly but mm-hmm. not to take away from ocean cruising of course she was built uh, viking venus at uh, fincantieri, fincantieri shipyard uh it uh in italy of course um and she's going to head across to the U- uk and um we'll be doing those uk or English-based cruisers. Um, and I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but she'll be named um, by her godmother or sponsor, um, Anne Diamond, who UK-based listeners will know um, as a uh, journalist and broadcaster. Of course, uh, those of us outside of the UK might not might not know the name, but because the ship's got this UK connection, it, it makes a lot of sense to have her as the, uh, as the godmother. Yeah, yeah, huge... Um... Huge personality for breakfast TV back in the day, so I'm sure she'll be welcoming that ship with open arms. Moving next into Aida, of course, the the German brand for Carnival Corporation. Uh, they've got their restart now. They did have a restart previously, but they've they've since taken a bit of a pause. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're coming back in May, I believe. Yes, yeah, offering cruises from Greece in May aboard um, Aida's uh, ships, and uh, there'll be seven day trips. Again, week long, it seems to be sort of that sort of sweet spot <laughs> yeah, uh, at the moment, yeah. um, departing from Corfu, um, and we'll take you to various different destinations across the Greek Isles. Um, and interestingly enough, um, they've, they've said that Greece is one of the more popular destinations for German travelers anyway, so I guess mm-hmm. this makes sense to have the ships based out of, uh, out of Greece, and uh, hopefully, because I know Germany itself has had um, a series of lockdowns recently, so... Uh, yeah. You know, with with things looking perhaps to be um, improving across Europe, um, maybe these voyages will will not require a further <laughs> a further pause like yeah. we've, we've seen in the past. Because of course, Aida was sailing out of Germany mm. um, and going to to no ports of call uh, initially, um, but now we're we're seeing them obviously move the ship over to the Greek islands, which is becoming popular with a, a lot of uh, the uh, like the cruise lines, of course. Yeah. Now we've got a bumper round of news from MSC, yes. but to, to keep it short, uh, the full show notes will be in the the, the, the podcast's website, of course. Um, but MSC have announced the 2021 summer deployment for all of their fleet, basically. Yes, so it could be a two-hour podcast if we went through it all in, in detail, <laughs> yeah. Baz. But basically, if you're looking at the Western Mediterranean um, with a focus on Italy and Malta, you can um, voyage aboard Grandiosa, um, seaside or seashore um, mm-hmm. and all of the specific details as you say will be in the show notes they're going to have um, ships deployed in the eastern mediterranean which would focus on italy croatia montenegro and greece um, and that will include orchestra splendida and magnifica um, they're also going to be offering uk cruises which we've already spoken about before aboard uh, Virtuosa, and that will be commencing from the 20th of May. And I know that a lot of um, younger UK travellers are excited because I think that's one of the only ones that doesn't require um, vaccines. Um, yeah. So it'll be UK-only residents, but um, selling uh, around the UK with departures not just from Southampton, but also uh, Liverpool and going up to Scotland and um, Northern Ireland as well. Uh, there's Northern European options too, so you can uh, travel particularly around um, Germany, aboard Seaview, um, and uh, Musica, which will be um, 
you know, another option for passengers who want to, to try a different part of Europe. Um, and then MSC's also um, signed or, or is working on a, an agreement uh, to bring their ships to, to Saudi Arabia. Uh, with, yeah, that came out overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah with uh, Magnifica and uh, Virtuosa uh, planning to, to sail um, in that part of the world. Um, Magnifica particularly will be home porting in Jeddah, which of course is a UNESCO uh, World Heritage um, site. And Virtuosa um, will be doing a series of, of voyages through the Arabian Gulf, uh, Gulf rather, um, in, from December, so late this year to early next year. So they're expecting something like 170,000 people to cruise on those on those voyages. So that's a you know, big development in that uh, in that region. Yeah, and it proves that the Saudis are obviously investing heavily in the, the, the infrastructure for cruise because when you think of cruising in, say, the Middle East, the Saudi Arabia doesn't immediately spring to mind. You obviously think of uh, Dubai mm. and, and uh, Qatar and places. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how all this pans out. Um, Hurtigruden, of course, uh, famous for its Norwegian coastal cruising, is actually doing something this week. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's all over and done. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, interesting to know what they're doing for uh, Earth Week, of course. Yes, of course, Earth Week, as, as we record this, we're sort of into Earth Week at night, between the 19th of April and the 26th. Um, so just take a moment to reflect on that and be, you know, be kind, kind to the planet. <laughs> we, <laughs> you know, we enjoy, um, traveling so much, but it is important to, to look after, um, all these wonderful destinations that we, we would love to be visiting again. Um, and Hurtigruten has a foundation, uh, which ha- has pledged, uh, to donate, uh, 1% of the cost of Alaskan cruises. Uh, sold during Earth Week, so people are booking right now, of course, and um, you know that, that's really that's really good of them to do that um, to the Alaska Wilderness League, and the idea is to help support um, the the Arctic uh, Wildlife Refuge Program, um, which of course is is important for preservation, and it's part of uh, of a of a giant um, project up there. Um, it's something like nineteen point six million acres. Of wetland, which uh, which is which forms mm-hmm. the largest part of the refuge system, so it needs support. Um, great to see Hurtigruten offering that support. Yeah, and uh, for those people that don't know, if you're Alaska, there's more wildlife in Alaska than there is in the whole of the rest of uh, the USA combined. Like it's an incredible abundance of wildlife. So trying to preserve that for, for future generations mm. is vitally important. Um, meanwhile, Oceania has launched some virtual experiences. Yeah, so I mean, uh, there's been a few cruise lines uh, over the over the cruise pause which have sort of turned digital to try and keep people um, you know, desperate to connect with with their former cruise experience. <laughs> Uh, connected and, and Oceania is, um, is, is doing um, some good things in this area. They've created an inter- interactive platform um, which allows them to share uh, their brand experience with both past and uh, potential future guests, giving them a bit of an idea of what it's going to be like because it has been quite a while since people have actually been on, <laughs> on many cruise ships. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, content that's uh, been put together by their vice president, of Australia and New Zealand, which is, is quite interesting. So they kind of got an Australian um, uh, and New Zealand uh, angle to it, which I think is uh, nice for us down in this part of the world. Um, mm. And it allows you to learn about their um, their food offering, their fleet of ships, uh, the amenities that you get on board, various packages and inclusions that they have with uh, with their cruises and also the itineraries and destinations where they go. Yeah, of course, Oceania is known for its... Uh 
food on board. At, uh, I think they throw around the idea that they spend twice as much on food per passenger than any other cruise line. So if you're a bit of a foodie, check it out. I'm sure you will uh, like what Oceania offers. And last but by no means least, of course, we've got some news very close to your heart as Cunard announced the 2022 event voyages. Yes, so this is another one where I think we'll have to refer you to the show notes for all the um, specific <laughs> details because Cunard is 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 known for its um, particularly the transatlantic event event voyages, but they've had uh, event voyages across their entire fleet for for decades now. Um, Queen Mary Two is going to be the focus of many of these because she's their Atlantic liner. Um, mm-hmm. So in uh, we'll start sort of in a chronological order, I suppose. Um, in in, in uh, with Queen Mary 2's voyages, uh, she'll be doing a in May of 2022. She'll be doing the London Theatre at Sea with a focus on the Olivier Awards, um, and it's an eastbound transatlantic crossing um, for that particular voyage. And it will be looking yep. back at 45 years of those of those awards with you know with workshops and and uh, other um, you know access to uh, sort of behind the scenes activities. Uh, in August through to September, she'll have an art and design week on board. Um, in October through to November, they'll be doing a um, national symphony orchestra, the UK's national symphony orchestra, which is a, something that Cunard's done before. This is very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, they have a, a very strong music focus on board Cunard anyway. Um, and then in December of 2022, there's a literary, literature festival at sea, which is another one that they've done um, you know, many times before, and it's always very, very popular um, on those eastbound transatlantic crossings where you can get access to authors and poets and um, uh, historians and other uh, journalists and critics, that sort of thing um, as well. Now, not to be outdone, of course, Queen Elizabeth's also going to be doing a, a special uh, themed voyage. That'll be in May of 2022, and it will be far from the Atlantic. It's a Beatles and Beyond voyage. Um, with a focus on uh, on that style of uh, of music, and it's when she'll be sailing in Japan. So she'll be leaving Tokyo and going um, around Japan and to South Korea, um, and it will be their first ever um, Cunard's first ever Beatles focused theme voyage. So um, yeah, that that surprised me that one because when you think of the Beatles and you think of the average Cunard guest, the two don't really go so much hand in hand. And then the fact that it's in Japan and Korea is a little bit unusual as well. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, uh, I've actually been on um, Queen Elizabeth uh, and Queen Victoria, where they've had it's in the Euro- it was selling out of the UK, but they had a um, one of the one of the Beatles um, sort of cover bands that they even dress up. I can't remember what they. Oh, okay. And it went it was in the Queen's room, which is a big ballroom, and people went crazy. Like there was oh, okay, dancing. I take it back. I, no, no, I was I was a bit surprised too, but it was. Uh, dancing and and everybody was um, was was really into it. And they had a special sort of encore show in the Royal Court Theatre, and uh, the whole thing was packed out. People were standing in the boxes and watching. So um, maybe they found themselves a little a little niche there. Oh, very good. Okay. Now, Baz, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I'm going to take over the show for a moment. And after the break, (laughs) I'm going to follow through on what I promised last week. um, Oh, I wondered whether you were going to do this, actually. Yes, I am. And um, you you let slip um, last week after the show when we were talking uh, off-air that Windsurf is one of your favorite ships. So I've got um, some questions here for a quick fire round with you so the listeners can get to know the host a bit better. (laughs) Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a sec. Hello, it's me again. Just a quick reminder. 
Um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me a Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you uh, then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the, uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live. And uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to, to pick it up. So if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us by buying me a coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy 10 coffees, or you can buy a whole year's supply. It's entirely up to you, but every single uh, little donation through Buy Me A Coffee is greatly appreciated. The links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. to the Big Cruise Podcast. I'm your temporary host, Chris, and today we're going to be speaking. I don't have the same, quite the same radio voice as Baz does, of course, but today we're going to be doing a quick fire round with him, um, which okay. is what he does with all of his guests, of course, and doesn't prepare them beforehand by telling them either that they're going to have it or that they're going to what the questions are. So I'm doing the same thing for him. Um, Windsurf okay. was a ship that he mentioned to me last week, which is, of course, from Windstar Cruises. So I have eight mm-hmm. questions here for you, Baz, which you haven't seen before. And we're going to get right. your responses, and I might ask a few follow-ups, maybe if, uh, if I'm feeling okay. feeling cheeky. <laughs> I am actually feeling a little bit nervous. Right. Like. Well, there we go. All 52 um, episodes, and our guests <laughs> know how you feel. <laughs> so we'll start with your usual easy one: sunrise or sunset? Sunset, but that's because we live in the West, and I think we always favour that. <laughs> okay, cool. Question number two is: relaxing at the wind spa or an energetic adventure from the water sports platform? Uh, water sports platform. And why is that? Um, like what, what's the, what about that makes you feel excited? It's just a little bit different. There's not many cruise ships in the world uh, where you can actually swim off the back. And uh, on the three sailing yachts for Windstar, they, they have this drop-down water sports platform. Mm. And depending where you are in the world, it, it can't operate everywhere due to local restrictions. But um, I think we were off the coast of Corsica or Sardinia, one of the two. Um, we had the opportunity to, to use it and basically non-motorized um equipment is complimentary so you can do stand-up paddle boarding oh, cool. there's these little trampolines you can do kayaking snorkeling and it's all just there for you to to use um of course extremely popular um in uh, the, the caribbean where it is used mm. an awful lot but to do it in the med is also very very popular sounds too. sounds cool uh a private meal in your stateroom or dinner in the amphora restaurant mm, amphora okay is the food there good Food's great everywhere, yeah. and the good thing about Windstar is the f- every food and every restaurant is always included. There's there's no speciality dining with a surcharge as such. Now, of course, with these three Windstar ships, they're they're well, the three sailing ships, they're quite unique because of their sails. So, my next mm-hmm. question is: standing on the top deck in the fresh air, watching the sails, or enjoying a drink with a view from the yacht club. Oh, can I merge the two? <laughs> yes. Now, this might spoil some of your next answer questions. I don't know, but. There is a unique opportunity as you sail away from port where the, the, some music is played and the sails unfurl and you, you kind of grab a drink from whatever bar you need to and everybody goes up onto the open decks to watch the, the, sail. the sails unfurl. Right. And that's just a really, really nice time. So you're going to merge them. That's fine. Absolutely. That's, that's my problem. And it doesn't, I don't think it ruins any of the other questions. Okay. Um, a workout at the Star Deck Fitness Center or swimming laps in the pool? 
pool. The pool. Sure. <laughs> I thought you might go with that one. <laughs> when you board the ship, are you going for welcome cocktails or are you going to go straight to exploring the ship? Given that I've been on the ship before, I'd probably go for a welcome cocktail yep. and meet some fellow guests. But if it was the first time that I was going on, I'd probably go for that sneaky wander and find, yeah, find the no layout. Problems. Yeah. So you're sitting in the deck for lounge and a staff member asks you what you'd like to drink. It's my shout. What are you going to choose? Mm, Long Island iced tea. Long Island iced tea. Awesome. And I'll make sure they charge that back to Barry's cabin. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and your absolute favorite spot on board the windsurf. Um, there is a pop-up restaurant that they operate on select days called Candles. Um, it's back on the the aft open deck. Um, so they they basically put away all the deck chairs. They put out the the, the, the tables and the chairs, and they have a barbecue um, and everything served to you at your table with the you know these little uh, fake candles because obviously you're on a ship. Mm. But uh, you're out on the aft deck. It's really warm temperature. You can see the sails lit up above you. Um, kind of dining, not only under the stars, but under the sails. Oh, beautiful. And I guess this wasn't one of the original questions, but this just made me think. As a final bonus question, after okay. sailing on windsurf and then going back on a normal cruise ship, like, do you miss the sails? Is there something missing on a normal cruise ship, or is it just like a different experience oh. completely? It's a di- completely different because there's only 300 guests on windsurf and 140-ish on the two smaller sisters. Yeah. Um, so to have sails on a big ship, I don't know how that how that would work. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, but just the intimacy of of a smaller ship with the sails, the crew know you within the first day. They you know they're able to anticipate what you want and deliver service that you just can't get on a big ship because those crew can't get to know yeah, three thousand passengers. Yep. Uh, whereas three hundred, they can know your name within minutes. Yeah, and, yeah, so... Well, there we go. Uh, you survived. I, I do like big ships, but I also really, really like the small ships too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess the thing that I was um, most curious about is if it's like, you know, you can, people compare cruise ships so much and often ask, you know, like what kind of ship is right for me and whether or not those mm-hmm. those ships with the sails, because there's also the Club Med that's got the sails. There's yeah, um, yeah. the Star Clipper, I think, which is a clipper ship that's got, got sails. Yeah. And, and whether it's just like it's it's not it's not really comparable to the other cruise experiences if it's his own experience unto itself. The, uh, the, the people at Windstar say that they generally attract people who would never go on a cruise. Yep. Um, so people often have never been on a big cruise before, go on Windstar, completely fall in love with it, and then may decide to, to go on to try yeah. other cruises down the track. Yep. So it's kind of a, a way to get new people to yep. To think about cruise because they don't want to. Some people just don't imagine they want to be on a big ship. Yeah, they don't want to be at sea for sure. days. Whereas the intimacy of, of something like Windstar does appeal to, to a different market, I guess. Cool. Well, congratulations. You you survived the quick fire round, and uh, <laughs> I will now pass the baton back to you as host. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Now, <laughs> just to wrap up, you've always got a, a YouTube video coming out. I know it kind of ties in with uh, with maritime history this week, but yes. to remind us what it is and where we find yeah, it. Yeah, so it's just at uh, on YouTube at Chris Frame Official, and this week's is going to be the new fleet of P&O Australia. But um, mm. maybe if you've been listening to the podcast, there's like a, the new slash old fleet <laughs> um, because of course um, I'm going to go into a little bit about their um, their past histories as well yeah and I guess you'll have some interiors there so people will really be able to see what the 
the P&O difference yeah. is, whether they've cruised on P&O UK before, or whether they've just never cruised on, on either and want to get a little glimpse into to what it's like on board, sure, which I mean, would be great. I've also got, um, with the, the two P&Os videos, there's like shots of the interior of ships like Britannia and Aurora from the UK, and then you can see, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're retired now, but you can see Jewel and, and, and Eden, um, where they've got those Australian signature spaces like the Waterfront Restaurant, they've got um, Dragon Lady, they've got... Uh, uh, the pantry and just gives you a bit of an idea as to how the Australian experience is that kind of casual fun. But yet, as you said, like the new ships, they, they look like they're really investing in that um, that vibrancy, which I think is something that they started to to introduce with ships like Eden and Aria. Yeah, no, no, that sounds great. And of course, the link to, to Chris's uh, YouTube and website is always found in the show notes. And if you've got a question for either myself or Chris, send it through via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Uh, top right-hand corner, join the show, and that's where you can send it through. But as I'm saying that, Chris, I just happened to glance into the inbox, and there's been a question that's dropped in literally whilst we're recording. Huh. Um, so I'm not expecting you to answer this right now, but it's actually quite timely because we've just spoken about Fincantieri, yep. and a question came in um, asking – what do we know about the, the history of Fencantieri and the, the various ships that they've produced over oh, the years? So cool. I don't know. We might have to do a bit of digging on that one, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, they've, they're have they responsible for a lot of ships that you would have heard of and sailed on. They're also responsible for a lot of ships from history. So if we um, make that maybe our history segment for next week, yeah, um, it'll be quite good. interesting to go through that because they've um, they've been heavily involved with, with a lot of not just the development of the cruise industry, but also what happened prior to that. So, yeah, great question and great timing. Awesome. Yeah. And I just happened to glance in the, the inbox there and see there it. So go. perfect. Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you for uh, your time once again today. And uh, we'll be back in the studio same time next Thanks week. Thanks so much, Baz. Take care, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.